Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So let's get to work, shall we? Hello and welcome to Angus at Work. I'm Casey Brown. We're rounding out of a busy bull buying season, but we are entering the perfect time to focus on the cow herd and the nutrition needed to keep them and their calves thriving. You'll hear in just a bit with today's host, Miranda Ryman, that cows are the engine that drive our industry. And I really love that. Today's episode has lots of tips to give some love to those cows. So let's dig in. Miranda Ryman here with the Angus at Work podcast, and today we're joined by Ted Perry with Purina Animal Nutrition. How are you doing today? I'm good. Why don't you first just give me a little bit of background on what you do, your background with Purina, and and, um, what you do there. Okay. Um, I literally have the best job in the world because I work with the tech service team, and my team's job is to help producers all over the country. So I get to either, you know, through now through remote access, through Zoom and stuff, but there's still a lot of traveling. They get to go to ranches and help producers solve some of their issues, you know, any questions they have from a management, nutrition, anything like that. Our team can go in and help them, and that's literally what I, they've paid me to do that for 26 years, and it's like, cool, I'll just keep doing it till somebody realizes that, wow, that's a really good job, so... <laughs> That's fabulous. Our tagline for this podcast is how to help make Angus bulls work for you. So and it seems like you fit nicely into that when we yeah. talk about that the cow herd is such a big, important part of that, oh, sure. that strategy. That's the engine. You know, those cows are the engine that drive our industry. Without them, we have nothing to move forward with. So we need to take care of those girls as much as we can. Absolutely. And we are headed into a time here with all of our spring calving cow herds that's really kind of a critical time when it comes to nutrition. Well, right. You know, some of the latest research we've seen, some of this fetal programming stuff is just, you know, in in the 30 years that I've been around beef cattle and nutrition and studies and everything, we're learning more that fetal nutrition, I don't think we truly understand the capability of our cow herd. And the better we feed that cow, especially when, when she's in, when that calf is in utero, the performance of that animal after that is just phenomenal and it's just little bitty things like even you know there's even been studies down where we just if we just limit her if we just screw up her mineral intake in the last trimester then it's you know i mean there's 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 data out there that shows that's 30 40 pounds of weaning weight and that 30 40 pounds is never made up and that's just not getting the mineral during that last tri- trimester when that animal when that fetus is really developing and putting the final stages on it's just like i said we just i don't think we fully appreciate what goes on in utero yet and how critical it is to feed that cow and you know historically we've looked at it from a standpoint of you know how do we maintain body condition and you know can we cheat them here can we you know if if you know we drought for example you know we're fighting forage you know can, what's the minimum i can feed and still maintain some body condition what we're realizing now is even though you know she'll be fine she'll live through it and she you know it's not so much of an energy reduction she loses the pregnancy But that calf literally will never reach its full potential. And that's a big deal in the feedlots diet, obviously, because we've got to sell carcasses. That's what our industry is made for. 
But think about from that replacement heifer standpoint, that cow will never reach her full potential, so and none of her calves will. So it's a big deal, and it's getting to be bigger all the time. And like I said, from a, from a research standpoint, it's absolutely fascinating to watch and keep up with because stuff is going on in, in utero that we never dreamed of. You know, that kind of feels like a, a big weight, right? Like we don't want to screw them up. How does a producer maybe do a little bit of an audit or know if they've got their nutrition matched up right? Well, the, the ease, there's two things to look at to make sure that we know we're feeding the cows right. First is body condition score. Body condition scores, we just talked about it, but body condition scores are our long-term report card, if you will, okay? And we really, there's, there's a lot of data in, in, in all the NRCs and everything, but we really want that cow to be a body condition score six, because if she's in a body condition score six, she's got all the nutrients to drop that calf, you know, get good colostrum in that calf, and then turn around and breed in 80 days, which is what, you, what we need for a, for a young calving program. So our long-term report card is the body condition score. But the other thing that we know and we kind of forget about is the short-term report card is manure scores. We can literally walk through a group of cows and look at the manure scores and and tell how well the rumen's working and how much they're getting out of that forage. So if you walk through walking through the pasture and the rumen and the manure is really stacky, the reason the reason that manure is really stacking up high is because there's so much fiber in there. Well if there's all that fiber in the manure, guess where it didn't get used? It didn't get used in the rumen and that fiber in the rumen is supposed to give us energy and protein to the cow. So even though we're feeding what we can okay or what we have because we're going to use that up first i understand that but then when we look at those manure scores and we see that really stacking we're not getting a lot out of our fiber by feeding the rumen that's where supplementation comes in where it starts with minerals and then maybe energy or protein where we feed the rumen microbes and we can literally watch over a matter of two or three weeks we can watch those manure stacks go from a condition manure five which is real stacky down to a three which is about that you know that patty that's about an inch you know inch to three quarters of an inch inch high then we know all of the fibers getting used out of there so those are our two report cards that we look at body condition scores the long term manure scores are the short term and in that answer, I heard you talk about that it's not that you don't want to use the feed that you have. You know, people start to get worried about spending too much money, but it's really about using that feed more efficiently. Oh, yeah. Um, and and that, this is literally the fun part of, of my job as a nutritionist is how do I match up your, what you have, okay, because, you know, I raise hay at home too. And last year we had a, we had a in, around Kansas City, we had a horrible hay year. You know, and I, I joked all year that conveniently I bailed first and second cutting at the same time. So now I've got a whole bunch of crappy hay, and I've had to supplement around that to make sure that, you know, watch my manure scores, watch my body condition scores. And, and you know, we're doing that with, with, you know, basically putting out tubs and mineral to make sure that the rumen bugs are fed. And we've got the same manure scores that we had last year when we had really high quality hay. So we can, we can use up that low-quality forage. We just have to feed the rumen bugs and really take advantage of that. I mean, the, the rumen is really a, is an amazing organ. And as long as we feed the bugs right, we're going to get out of there everything we can. I think a good chunk of our listeners will have just come through this drought and probably don't have a lot of stored feed and maybe are trying to use what they have very sparingly. Do you have any 
maybe different recommendations for those in that situation? Well, you know, there's two ways. When, when we supplement the rumen microbes, then that goal is they're going to use, they're going to utilize more forage. They're going to eat more forage. But when we get to a situation where we just have no forage, then we kind of have to go the other way and almost put the girls, you know, we, we, that's where we need to supplement them with a lot of cubes, um, a lot of grain, grain mixes, type, things like that, that we're feeding the ruined bugs, but we're feeding, feeding them differently to get the energy out of the, out of the starch, if you will, rather than trying to digest forage because there's none to digest. So, you know, it's, it's a totally different program, nutrition program, but we can literally, depending on what the producer has, you know, I've worked with producers in Iowa. They've got lots of corns and corn stalks. We can, we can make that work. We just have to have a feeding program allowed. And you have to allow, when, you, when you're going from like a forage to say this, this high energy corn diet, you have to allow the rumen two to three weeks to acclimate. And then this time of year, what we have to be conscious of is if we're, they're going to go to grass in April, say, okay, we need to start transferring them over about now so that we've got three to four weeks so that the rumen microbes are ready for the, to eat, digest forage and not grain. Otherwise, we can take that cow and, you know, this is, and we get these calls all the time. And it's really scary. But, you know, we had them on a very high intense grain diet. And then April 1st, or middle of April, we've got plenty of grass, so we just turn them out. Well, those rumen microbes aren't ready to eat that, so the body condition score literally crashes at that time. Okay, if the body condition score, and now if we, where we started with the fetal development, now we've got that calf, that, that cow in April, she's in her last trimester, we just crashed her body condition score, which means we crashed the nutrients going to that fetus, and we delayed everything, and then after two or three weeks, the rumen, the rumen is reacclimated, and now we're back to running. But that three-week period, we, we don't know how bad we've actually set that calf back, and there's, there's more data coming in all the time, but it's not good, so we have to account for that now, where before we never did. Yeah, that's a great point, especially when you talk about later impacts on everything from weaning weight to even carcass quality and, and things later on. All right, so we've talked about that last trimester and how important that is. But as we transition into lactation, which is an entirely another set of stressor calorie users on, on the cow, what kind of things should we be thinking about? When we start talking about going to lactation, one of the huge things we're looking at here is minerals because there's a lot of calcium and there's a lot of phosphorus. But also keep in mind that, that the way that cow is set up, she's going to pull her, her nutrients out of her to feed the calf on the ground. So if we don't, if we don't make sure that she's got what she needs, then she's going to delay breeding okay, or not breed at all, um, you know. If you look in the wild, what do they do? They have, you know, a calf every other year or, you know, wildlife. And that's because they're conserving, conserving what they have. So if, if we make sure that we've got, that the cow's got what she needs going into lactation, but that literally starts like 60 days before calving. So, you know, here we are February 1st. If we're going to ca start calving April 1st, right now we need to make sure that we've got the mineral tank full on that cow because what she's doing right now is she's developing colostrum, okay? The better her nutrition status is right now, 60 days before, the better colostrum and the higher quality colostrum she will get, you know, besides 
you know, what we already talked about, the fetal development, but we get more and higher quality colostrum for that calf when it hits the ground. That gets that calf off to a good start. If she's got enough there, we've also got the mineral tank full so she can lactate and it's not going to drain off her body enough. That way she'll go ahead and, you know, 80, 90 days, she's back recycling and she can get rebred. So it, it literally one feeds off the other. But Mother Nature kind of sets it up that, okay, we've got a calf on the ground. We're going to take care of that calf before we make another one. So we've got to take care of, have all those body reserves in place in order for her to recycle. We talked last year with uh, Dr. Ron Scott from your team and talked a lot about the importance of that colostrum and I think gut health and and later on things. So I think you're exactly right that we often don't think about that being a before the cow is lactating kind of thing. Right. It's it. I mean, if if we think about it in terms of, you know, we as humans tend to think of, okay, we're going to calve April 1st. So what do we need to do April 1st? Well, that's nice. But literally, if we're thinking 60 days ahead, then we've got to, then we've, she's got what she needs. And, and cows do an amazing job of taking care of themselves if we just kind of give them what they need and get out of their way. But the key thing is, as beef producers, is we've got to give the girls what they need when they need it. Not, and sometimes it's not, it's when they need it, not when we think they need it. Like I said, we've got to think ahead. Because if we think of calving, Colostrum's made 30 days before. Well, colostrum, the value of colostrum only comes in what's what's available. So that's why we've got to start 30 days ahead to make sure that the tank is full and then we can make the colostrum and that just sets up cascades and everything else going down the road. Um, being on the Angus team, we talk often about how much the genetics have changed even within the last decade. You know, you've oh, got, yeah, it's just a lot of high-performance genetics out there. How does nutrition need to maybe adapt over time? Maybe is that a signal that we shouldn't be doing what we were doing 10 years ago? I think we're still doing a lot of what we did 10 years ago, and that's fine. Let's face it. Cows are there to use up forage. Okay, If I don't have grass, I don't have cows. I mean, as much as I love playing with cows, if I don't have any grass, I don't have cows. So we're still doing that. But the couple of things that we need to think about is when we define high-performance cows, those are, those are cows that are breeding, and they're producing bigger calves, and they're weaning off instead of a 350-pound calf, they're weaning off a 600-pound calf. That's a lot of calories different. And one of the things that, that, that I work with producers a lot, and, and we're going to start in as we go get into spring meetings, we think in terms of, okay, cow size went from 1,200-pound you know, cow in, you know, 20 years ago, so now we're pushing 14, 1500, and that's not even a big cow. I mean, there's even, you know, 14, 1500 is the average, and there's big ones out there. What have we done as producers to the pasture or the forage situation to account for each cow is 50% bigger? And, and a lot of times we've done nothing. I mean, we've got, this is our pasture on our farm. We raise 50 cows, we're going to raise 50 cows. We've always raised 50 cows. Grandpa raised 50 cows. Well, if you're thinking in terms of grandpa's 50 cows, we're now raising 75 cows. And each one of those cows has a bigger motor. So we've got to feed that motor. And, and the cows do a great job, don't get me wrong. But we've got to account for if we're going to have high-performance genetics, we have to have high-performance nutrition programs to feed it. Um, you know, I look at it as, you know, my, my daughter has a, has a 
little Ford Focus that she goes to school with, right? It gets 35 miles a gallon. That's great. But if I put her Focus motor in my truck, it's not going to pull my trailer worth a darn. So you've got to fit, you've got to, you've got to have the calories, you know, and that's basically I've got it. You know, we've got big motors in these cows. And the reason we have big motors in these cows because those cows produce calves that have big motors that grow fast and do everything we want. I mean, if you look at what we've done from a carcass quality standpoint in the last 20 years, it's phenomenal, which is genetics. But we've got to feed those genetics. We can't feed them like the cows of 20 years ago. And that starts at the cow side. And and the big thing that, that I think we're that we're seeing is we're seeing more and more response to mineral programs. And I think that's because everything is, all the enzymes and everything are built off the minerals. So if I'm looking at improving my cow herd or, or re-evaluating re my nutrition program, I'm going to start with the minerals. And then once I have the minerals, then we're back to body condition score and mineral and manure scores, just like we talked about earlier. But that all feeds off the same thing. But we've got to feed that bigger motor or she's not going to perform. And it's not her fault. We just didn't give her what she needs. That's excellent. So we've covered a lot of ground. Minerals, make sure you have the right number of calories. Is there anything that we're missing? I, I think it's just we have to look, as we talked about the higher performance cows, we have to be looking farther down the road because if we get her out of condition, then, then it's much much bigger deal, a bigger cow. It takes longer, that many more calories to get her back into condition. So it used to be we could kind of lose them behind, you know, we could wean the cows and kind of lose them until after deer season or when the snow flies and catch them back up. These big high-performance cows today, I don't think you can do that. You've got to be on it. It's, it's just attention to detail. There's no, everybody has done it. Everybody does it. But I think it's attention detail, and we have to look farther down the road that we're not playing catch-up. We're giving the girls what they need when they need it. Excellent advice. Well, we always say that the cattle business is a people business, and so we always end on this kind of random question. Tell me something good, whether it's personally or professionally, that's happened to you lately. The fun thing is now is it, this is the fun time of the cattle cycle to work because calf prices are coming up. Everybody's happy, but this is the time when I think producers need to try something because I'll have, you know, the next couple of years we'll have money to spend, not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying blow money. I'm just saying that, okay, have we, maybe we haven't creep fed. Maybe we haven't had a complete mineral program. Maybe we don't supplement in the winter time, or maybe we don't just test forage and see what we need. Now's the time we will have extra income because the calf prices are up that we can try stuff. And then when we go down this price cycle, sorry, folks, we're not going to have $2 calves forever. But then we know what works on our farm. And, we can, and when it's time to pinch pennies, we'll know what works and how we get the most out of those cows. I like that it's the fun time to be in the cattle cycle. Um, over on our Angus Conversation podcast earlier today, we interviewed Randy Block. And sure. he talked about how optimistic he is for the next few years. You're absolutely right. And, it, and like I said, it's the fun time. And then we get, you know... It, it, you know, those of us that are getting kind of long in the tooth, that we've been around a long time, but and we go through these cycles. So, and you know, we'll we'll get through it. But it's what we do now that sets us up. Just like we talked about feeding the cows 60 days early. Okay, I want to be looking six months out on my cow herd. What am I going to spend? Where am I going to partition this money that we have to set ourselves up to go through the other end? 
It's all planned. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Listeners, to get more information to help make Angus work for you, check out the Angus Beef Bulletin and the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra publications. You'll find links to subscribe to both of those in our show notes. If you have questions or comments, please let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. And we'd sure appreciate it if you would rate this podcast or leave a review to tell us what you learned or what was helpful and share this episode with any other profit-minded cattlemen. Thanks for listening. This has been Angus at Work.